after that praise dance and that choir anthem, if the preacher's not inspired, I guess I got only myself to blame, right? <laughs> it is, as we've said, the final week of the Advent season. Christmas Eve is tomorrow. Hopefully all your shopping is done. Not me. Uh, You've sent out your Christmas cards, you've gotten all the things you need for that big Christmas meal coming up, because our time of waiting and preparation is just about over. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, I want to take a moment this morning for us to consider the importance of what's been happening during this entire Advent season. Because over the past four weeks, we've been in this place of waiting and preparing for Christ to enter our world at Christmas. And so we've been giving thanks to God for our blessings right now, while at the same time looking ahead to the blessings that are to come. And this, this is a very important Christian practice, giving thanks for what we know right now while also looking to the future with hope. This is something that lives at the very heart of Christianity, and it's something I want to talk about here this morning. So the scripture passage we will be focusing on is from the Gospel of Luke. We heard it read already this morning, a gospel that really exemplifies this dynamic. I've titled this sermon, Right Now and Not Yet. Please pray with me. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Send your living word to walk amongst us now, to challenge our assumptions, to set our hearts ablaze, and to make us whole again. Amen. In order to really get into the themes of this sermon this morning, we need to carefully work our way through a specific theological term. And now I realize that this might be a cue for you to just turn off and check out. I ask you, please stay with me. Stay with me. This is going to be worth it in the end. I, I realize it's not always fun to spend a lot of time on theological terms, and it can sometimes be very unhelpful in a sermon to start off like that. But trust me, all this mumbo-jumbo is going to have some real importance in the end. See, Because I contend that one of the greatest gifts of Christianity is the sheer amount of scholarship and thinking that has taken place over the centuries about these things. People have written thousands and thousands of books about the Bible and Jesus and the matters of faith, and that is a gift for us. I understand that at times scholars and even well-meaning preachers can find themselves caught in the weeds on certain topics. But in the same moment, I think that when we take time to really think about our faith, and delve into the depths of these themes, that there is a richness and a gift there that we might have missed otherwise. And so, yes, I understand that exegesis and systematic theology and all that other stuff isn't all that it means to be a disciple of Christ. However, I will remind us that the Bible does say, do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Church, our intellect is a gift from God. Our ability to reason and think and put together complex ideas is a gift that should never be overlooked or neglected. The Bible says that transformation can happen in us when we renew our minds, when we challenge ourselves by thinking a little differently, when we test our assumptions. And of course, though, all this thinking can go too far. It's called faith after all. And that means that sometimes the mystery of God and the ways of God are simply beyond our comprehension. There will be things that might not make sense to us at the moment. There will be points when we will just have to take matters on faith. But really, the miraculous thing is 
that when we get to that point, where we just have to believe God's word, that point where it just doesn't make sense, but God said that it would be all right, when we just fall into the promises of God, when we stop trying to figure everything out, there will be a sense of peace when we arrive at that moment. When nothing else can make sense but just the faith that we have. Because it's not just the scholars and the academics who get caught in the weeds. Sometimes it's everyday people of faith like us who spend too much time trying to think and figure everything out rather than just giving our trust over to God to make things be all right. I know that I'm kind of rambling now. We've covered a lot already. So let's just summarize all of this succinctly. Intellect is a really good and important piece of our faith. But there also comes a point where the very best thing for us to do is to simply believe and trust in the Lord. And the truly and remarkable and miraculous piece to all of this is that when we lean on God's promises, a freedom and deep miraculous peace is what we reap from that. And now here's why that's important. Now we finally get to that theological term that I was telling you about. So much of being a Christian is about something called prolepsis. Let me hear you say prolepsis. Yes. Oh, that is a $2 word if I ever heard one. Prolepsis is the idea that something can be true right now and not yet. It is the anticipation of something existing before it actually exists. I know, I know this is a bit confusing, but let me give you some examples of this. We believe that Christ is present with us right now. And yet, the grounding of our Christian hope is that Christ will come again in fullness and goodness and mercy. And so we believe that Christ is present with us right now and not yet. You see what I'm getting at? When we gather at the table for communion, we believe that Jesus is somehow present with us, in, with, and under the bread and the wine. And yet we also believe that communion is only a foretaste of the feast that is to come, that great heavenly banquet we will celebrate at the end of time. Maybe you've had a God moment in your life where you just knew that the Holy Spirit was present and moving in your heart at that moment. You couldn't explain it. It didn't make any sense, but you knew God was there with you somehow. And yet that moment was fleeting, wasn't it? Here at one point and gone the next. And so it was a right now moment of God and yet just a preview of the goodness that will come later. Okay, I'm giving you a lot to chew on and to think about this morning, but I promised you it would all be worth it. So I better start getting to the point, the really powerful reality of our faith here. Let's open our scriptures, open the Bibles in your pewbacks in front of you um, to Luke chapter one. That's on page, um, it's early on in the New Testament. We're going to start at verse 39. Open up those Bibles. If you brought your own Bible from home, you get bonus points this morning. Uh, You can pull it up on your phone if that works for you. However you need the scriptures. But I just want us to have this in front of you. Luke chapter 1. And we're going to start at verse 39. 39. Here we go. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment 
of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Okay, stop there, but keep your Bibles open. It's important to note that Elizabeth, the character who's speaking mainly in this story, in this passage, Elizabeth has never been visited by an angel. Unlike Mary, who knew from the angel Gabriel everything that was going to happen. Unlike Elizabeth's husband, Zachariah, who also got a visit from Gabriel and knew all that was going to happen. Elizabeth was totally in the dark about what's going on. She just knew that she was pregnant. And yet she has this incredible experience when her cousin Mary arrives. The Holy Spirit moves within her and the child in Elizabeth's stomach leaps at the presence of Mary. And so Elizabeth is praising God here and making all sorts of claims in this moment. She's experiencing blessings right now, and yet she's also looking to the future and rejoicing for what God will accomplish through Mary and the child in her stomach. Okay, good. But then it gets even better when we look at how Mary responds to all of this. Look with me now at verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. So this is a song that Mary is singing, a beautiful song of praise to God. Her song talks about, as we just saw, God casting down the mighty and lifting up the poor and feeding the hungry and sending the rich away empty-handed. She is giving thanks to God for all of these blessings, for all of this good news. But notice that none of that stuff has actually happened yet. Mary is mentioning all of this, and yet she is still living as an oppressed young woman in the Roman Empire. Casting down the mighty, lifting up the poor, feeding the hungry. Those are all things that Jesus will do, but that Jesus hasn't even been born yet. He's in utero. But that doesn't make any difference to Mary. She is filled with joy. She is overwhelmed by what God is doing in her life to such a point that she is singing God's songs of praise and saying thanks to God for all the things that God will accomplish. Because in Mary's mind... These things are already done. She knows that because God has blessed her so greatly right now, that God will most surely see through the promises that have been made. Church, this is what a life of faith is about. Now we get to the real practical part, okay? I know that I've taken a long time in this sermon to explain to you how prolepsis works, but it's important. Stick with me. We've gotten past all the academic stuff, and so you might be thinking, what does this have to do with my life? Everything. Mary is the perfect example for our lives today. The way she processes everything that's going on in this passage from Luke is the quintessential example of what it means to live as a person of faith. It starts with recognizing your blessings. What has God given to you? What has God done for you? Think about it. 
God woke you up this morning. That didn't have to happen. God brought you safely to this place. That didn't have to happen. God gave you a church family with a pastor who cares about you and a choir that sings beautiful songs and children who do praise dances and a nice building that's warm and well-maintained. God didn't have to give you any of that. You've got a roof over your head. You've got food on the table. You've got people who love you and care about you. And all of it comes from God. We spend so much time at Christmas thinking about what we want. What's on your Christmas list? What's your New Year's resolution? What do you want? But church, we need to give thanks to God for all that we have. Get yourself in a grateful mindset. Give thanks to God for all the blessings that you have seen in your life. I know things might not be perfect, but we also have to be honest that God has done an awful lot in our lives. We are blessed in so many ways. There is so much to be grateful for, and God deserves all the honor and all the glory and all the praise for what we have received. But Mary doesn't stop there, and neither should we. Mary didn't just stop by thanking God for all that he had done right now. She realized that if God had blessed her so greatly in this moment right now, that she certainly could have faith for what God would do in the future. You see, Mary shows us how gratitude for God's blessings can fuel our faith and hope for the future. When we praise God for our blessings, it strengthens our ability to believe God's promises. Let me say that again. When we praise God for our blessings, it strengthens our ability to believe God's promises. If you ever find yourself struggling in faith, if you ever find yourself wondering if God can really be trusted, if you ever find yourself thinking your way out of faith, I urge you to start by just getting grateful. Start by looking at your life and looking at all that God has done. That joy that you'll discover, that gratitude you feel towards God will fuel you in order to believe all that God has promised. The joy in the right now leads to greater faith in the not yet. The joy in the right now leads to greater faith in the not yet. Because Reformation, if God was good enough to bless you with a church where you can hear the good news, then you can be sure that God is good enough to help you grow in your faith in the year to come. If God was good enough to bless you with friends and family who support you right now, then I know that God will be good enough to provide you with even greater blessings in life after death. If God was good enough to wake you up this morning, then I know that God will be good enough to wake you up on the last day. God has given us so much right now. We are blessed and thankful for what God has done. But that's just the beginning. The fullness of God's promises are right now and not yet. May we be ever grateful for the blessings of this moment, but let that fuel us to have greater faith in the words of God. Words that say that we are blessed, that we are loved, From age to age, from eternity to eternity, nothing can take away the goodness of God's blessings. And we know that to be true because of all the blessings we see from day to day. Amen.